Hey, all you nature nerds, this is You're Gonna Die Out There. Bonus Patreon episode. Welcome back, Patreon Nature Nerds. Hello. Patrons. Hello, how are you? Welcome to another uh, bonus episode. How this, are you doing? It's time for February for the Feb- month of love. February. 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 It's a hard, yeah. Are you going to be talking about love today, Jen? Not at all. Not even. Not even That's a good. little. Maybe some love of drugs a little. Oh, what? <laughs> but, but who knows? That's always fun. We'll see where this story takes us. It should end us in some form of love i don't know i'm just i'm just talking (laughs) that sounds great are you ready for this megan i am ready for this jen i would like to start out by thanking our patron annette who lives in scotland and that makes me so happy hello annette i feel like we're related we will not attempt a scottish accent nope not even Uh, i want to thank her for the suggestion she sent it to us on the instagram and excellent it is just so interesting it's right up our alley it has history survival and drugs Amazing. You saying that makes me feel like you're going to talk about the cocaine bear, but I feel like you're not going to talk. I'm about not. The bear. I'm not because I feel like so many people talk about the cocaine bear. It's true that it's just kind of like, you know, no, actually, Megan, our story today takes place in Finland. Oh, magical Finland. We've met some Finnish people. Did you meet those guys that came to when we were Peace Corps volunteers that came to the island? There was like three of them and they mm-hmm. were doing a video game and they needed to look at an island. That's what they said. They created video games and they needed to look at an island and kind of like draw it out or map it out or make it for their video game. And they were super nice. Of all the islands. so fun. We like drank beers with them. They were great. That's so random of all the islands to go to. Mm -hmm. Like, do you think that they just like rolled some dice and just land it? Because honestly. They probably knew somebody. I mean, there could be more to this. This was like forever ago. But they probably knew somebody who went diving there. Because a lot of people go diving there. I'm wondering, what what was that guy who worked at the dive shop? Jan? Yes. Was he Finnish? No, he's South African. Oh, wow. Yeah. F that up. Anyway. But anyway, I remember being like, these guys are super cool. They were very cool. I'm like Finland of all places. I've never met them. But more specifically, this story takes place in Lapland. I have heard that. I've heard that before. Lapland. Lapland. Lapland is Finland's northernmost region. Not, Not very many people that live there. It Border Sweden, Norway, Russia, and the Baltic Sea. It's about a third of Finland's total area, over 100 square kilometers, Mm -hmm. or translation, that's almost 25 million acres. That's a lot of acreage. That's big. So for those who like to compare, it's about the same size as Kentucky or Indiana, Um, which I've never been to either of those. So I I like look at it. I remember in fourth grade, you know how you always have to do like the research poster on a state. Mine was Kentucky. Was it? I've been to both Kentucky and Indiana. Really? Mm -hmm. I've only been to Indianapolis for like a hot second to pick up somebody from a bus stop and drive back to Georgia. And then that sounds uh, a little sus, Megan. Super random. (laughs) And then I've been to Kentucky because a friend of mine from high school worked for, I think he worked for IBM or something. And uh, randomly they moved to Kentucky. 
Okay. And I went to a New Maybe Year's party. Maybe they have party, a big IBM plant uh, there. Right? Something. And uh, I went to a New Year's party there. And I just remember being like, wow, this looks like every other was kind it of fun? middle state. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. I think he had a pinball machine. I I Ooh. have a memory of there being a pinball machine, and uh-huh. I don't know if that memory is if I can rely on that memory. I kind of love pinball machines; mm-hmm. they're kind of cool. Okay, or if you're not from the U.S. and or aren't familiar with those states, it's also as big as Belgium, Holland, and Switzerland all put together. Oh, okay. So if you put Belgium, Holland, and Switzerland all mushed together, it's the size of Kentucky. That's interesting. It just makes me think about how the U.S. is just so big. I think the problem is map projections. I'm just going to say, you know, map projections always make Australia look tiny. The yeah. U.S. look huge. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just not that. It's not the way it is. Australia is huge. Distortions. Yes. So in Lapland, only 3.6% of the Finnish population lives there. So that's around 184,000 people. Okay. Mm. There are 21 municipalities in Lapland. Remember, it's a region. Right. And the biggest towns in Lapland are, I'm going to mess all this. So just, I'm so excited. Come on, for, guys. Yes, just yes. let's do this. Rovaniemi. Perfect. Perfect. Kemi and Tornio. It's home to the only indigenous people known in Europe. Oh. You remember this? Oh, oh, the, um, um, oh, the don't Sami. Tell me, don't me. The Sami. Yes. 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 So they've inhabited the area for at least 5,000 years. With the reindeers. That's right. And so most of the Sami moved to urban areas, but some of them still live there in villages high up in the Arctic and they retain their traditions. They speak in their Sami language with their language has a hundred different words for snow, which I love that. That's so great. They herd reindeer. We know that. They wear traditional red and blue clothing called gakti. Mm-hmm. OK, we had pictures of them before. They're super yeah. cool. It was when we were talking about Balsarod, right? Well, we talked about them in World War Two and how they helped. Oh, yeah. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. They helped him get across the border. I do not know how I just pulled that out. Of I brain. love you for that because I couldn't think of his name. <laughs> I was like, ah, shit. So they're actually more reindeer. People are better than reindeer. Oh, sorry. Reindeer <laughs> are better than, than people. people. <laughs> That's a song. So yeah. they're actually more reindeer than people in Finnish Lapland. Mm-hmm. There's about 200,000 reindeer. Oh. Yes. So everybody gets one and a half reindeers. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, reindeer are the real icon of the Finnish Lapland. Mm-hmm. They form an important part of the of like the indigenous Sami culture. They have reindeer races and they've been held in Finland since 1932. Very cool. And Lapland's capital, the Rovanimi, Rovanimi, I'm Perfect. saying it wrong. So good. It's actually shaped like a reindeer's head with antler-like arranged streets. On purpose. Yes, I believe so. That's kind of amazing. For 73 days a year, the sun is always up, visible around the clock. If you want to go to see that time when there's no nighttime, you go in June. 21 to 24 hours of daylight, which to me, it just sounds terrible. That sounds awful. I need darkness what about the 24 hours of darkness remember that movie the vampire movie it was pretty good i would also not be okay with that no because depressing so depressing i think i'm okay with because it's like the time i told you we took the kids to alaska Mm -hmm. when my husband was working there and he was working with the forest service and we went there and i think 
my little one was only like seven or eight months old Mm -hmm. and the other one was four or five. Yeah. Anyway, we were at a park playing. The kids are playing. We're like, la la la. And we look, I looked at the time and it was like 1030 at night. I was like, oh my God, (laughs) we have to go now. (laughs) Get the kids to bed. We went and luckily, you know, we were staying. They had the blackout curtains. Yeah. Oh, man. I would definitely want to be like really, really wealthy if I lived in a place like that that had mm-hmm. the 24 hour on or off switch you know what i mean right like the sun just on or off and i because i would want like the kind of windows that almost like transition lenses yeah for windows yeah so that you could it when l- it's, yeah you it'll light it's up or it's getting dark yeah yeah just it, it just tricks your brain yes i would have to be that wealthy so you just get sleepy yeah yeah that would be weird Well, anyway, so another cool fact about Lapland is the municipality in Muonio. Oh, you're so good at this. Muonio municipality, (laughs) it's in Western Lapland, has the cleanest air in the world. Wait, what? Yes, because they have a small population, very little traffic, and they have enhanced cleaning technologies that they use in Finland. So the air quality in the whole country, especially in that region, is excellent. Yeah. And actually, I just saw this article recently that was talking about how people's brain, like your cognition, Mm -hmm. is messed up when you live in a smoggy city, like in a city with bad air pollution. Ugh. Yeah. Interesting. Guam is good. Yeah. We're good. We're a little tiny island. So more fun facts about Lapland. That's what we're doing right now, in case you didn't catch on. I got it. It's also the largest region in the world to harvest organic natural products. Oh. Finland. And... It is famous for its traditional Finnish squeaky cheese. <laughs> I want to try this so bad. I want to go to Finland so bad, after, wait, especially wait, after this. Wait. Is it like a piece of cheese that has like a tiny mouse in it that squeaks? It's like, Eep. no, it's because the sound it makes when against your teeth when you bite into it, because it's like a firm oh. kind of chewy. Oh. <laughs> so it's made from, it can be made from cow's milk or goat or reindeer milk. Oh, oh. They say it has a pleasantly sweet and fresh aroma. Interesting. It can be described as mild, salty, and sweet. Well, I love cheese, so I'm like, I don't even care. But it's also named the name of it. And there's a Finnish name for it that I didn't even try to say. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to do it. But it can be translated to bread cheese or cheese bread. So what you can do is you you bake it in like this, like a pie shaped. And it's kind of crispy on top. And then you cut it, and a lot of people serve it with this cloudberry jam. It's also a region, one of their region like delicacies. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they say it tastes better when it's heated up. Uh, that does sound amazing, but I will just say that I'm not a fan of food that makes squeaky on my teeth. Oh, I'd be into it, especially if it's warmed up. I think that's like <laughs> nails on a chalkboard. To <laughs> <me>. <laughs> so good. <laughs> I want to try it. So another cool thing about Lapland is it's one of the best places in the world to see the Northern Lights. Oh. There's this Abisko National Park, um, and it's said to be one of the best places to see this light show because the prevailing winds, they have these enough winds that I guess clouds don't really form there. They don't just like chill out. So it's just a very clear sky. That's cool. Yeah. Another reason to go there. And Um, lastly, and this is the most important reason to visit Lapland Mm -hmm. is because Santa Claus lives there. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that movie that came out? It was like a little, it's a cartoon movie, and it's about this guy who, like, works for, like, the post office, Mm -hmm. and he's just, like, really bad at his job, and his dad, who, like, runs the whole thing, sends him up 
to, I assume, like a Lapland. Oh. And he meets this guy. It's, it's like a newer like cartoon movie, right? Yeah, I feel and, like the kids watch this. And the Sami are in it. Oh, right. They like make sleds and stuff and they come over and they show, give, bring him reindeer. And that's, it's like the whole thing of Santa Claus. All right. I wish I could remember the name of this movie. It is so freaking good. And it's, it's totally a cartoon. Yeah. But it's like the art is great. The story is great. It's so wholesome. I cry at the end. Oh, God, I cried at the end so hard. I'm trying to remember it, too, because I feel like I didn't. You told me about it around Christmas mm-hmm. time. And I, th- I, I think the kids watched it, but I was doing stuff. So. Yeah. Anyway, well, let's talk about why and how Santa Claus lives there. I found this article in, I think it was, gosh, like the Smithsonian or something. Ah. It's kind of, find the links. The links are all there. <laughs> so. It was in the European tradition. It's been that Santa Claus lives there since 1927. So not that long ago. But there was this Finnish radio host that proclaimed to know the secret of Santa's hometown. And he said it was in Korvatunturi, which is a mountainous region in Lapland. It's shaped like the ears of a rabbit. Cute. That's cool. And Santa used the ear like mountains, the radio host said to eavesdrop on children of the world and decide if they were being naughty or nice. What? (laughs) (laughs) So just like the North Pole, this area was real in theory, but not necessarily a place that people visited Mm. because it's just out there. So later they moved it 225 miles to the south to that Rovaniemi, thanks to an American visitor. Mm. A very famous American visitor, which I'll talk about in a second. But during World War II, the Germans burned... Rovaniemi completely to the ground oh, snap. and left there that capital city like completely in ruins. There's pictures of it. It's terrible. And so they say from those ashes, the town people, they rebuilt. And according to design plans that that then made the streets spread out like reindeer antlers oh. through the city. So then after the war in 1950, there was this post-war reconstruction tour and Eleanor Roosevelt went there. What? And she went there saying that she wanted to see Santa Claus while she was in the Arctic area. And so they put together, because they're like, she's coming. They made this cabin and made everything look like Santa's village because they they were like, yeah, come here. Santa's here. Here comes the, you know, this president's wife, right? That's kind of amazing. I know, right? So they did all that. And I guess it was really cute and whatever. But they say that it became like a tourist spot in 1984 and so they started like packaging christmas trips to the lap so it was like they started like this is our thing now so then they have this whole like santa claus village and there's 500,000 visitors a year i want to go it's still there oh yeah yeah i'd be into that i know i kind of love it i mean just to go there and see everything yeah eat some squeaky cheese Uh, but yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) a little bit about world war ii because that's where we're gonna go today So Finland was, I don't really, as much as I love history, I don't know all the things about all these different countries and where they stood at the, during different (laughs) phases of World War II. Sure, sure, sure. Just, I mean, I'm not, yeah. It was interesting. Yeah. I'm going to tell you guys about it. They had this kind of, they say, unconventional strategy because they started out neutral and then they actually joined forces with the German Axis powers. Kind of like, not saying like we agree with this, but Mm. they basically hated Russia. So they joined with Germany. Mm. At the end, they ended up 
siding with the U.S. allied powers. So that kind of like moved around. First, they're like, let's just stay out of this. But then the Soviets kept coming in more and more. Mm -hmm. And so to fight back, they sided with Germany. Right, right, right. Okay. They thought that the Soviet Union wanted to expand into their territory, which is what they did. Yeah. (laughs) They did want to do that. They utilized a defense strategy in hopes of regaining their territory that they had lost to the Soviets during the Winter War of 1939, which is a whole thing. The first two major conflicts in which Finland was directly involved were the defensive Winter War, um, like I said, that was against the invasion of the Soviet Union in 1939, followed by this offensive continuation war. And there's so much about that, guys. I'm just like, just go look it up. Then with Germany and the other Axis powers against the Soviets in 1941 to 1944. So that's when they fought back against them during those years, right? Okay, so then there was a third conflict, and this was the Lapland War against Germany in 1944 to 1945. So first they were like, the Russians are coming over. Uh We're going to like not be cool with that. No, because they don't want to lose any territory. The Lapland War against Germany, that was 1944 to 45, was after they signed this Moscow armistice with the allied powers meaning that the soviets were like okay we'll back off yeah but you need to come to our side because finland was a really pivotal like they really didn't want to lose it to the germans right and so u.s and everybody was like hey you guys need to back off because we need these people on our side because if not germany will go in and then they're just more powerful by taking over finland right so during that time there were these finnish ski troops so the Finnish were like, we live in the snow, mm-hmm. we ski, we're going to kick some ass from our skis, basically. I like it. These ski troops were like, uh, played a major role in the success of the Finnish war effort against the Soviets, especially during that winter war in 1939. So they think that the Finnish army killed more than 200,000 Soviet soldiers of their own. They only lost like 50,000. Wow. The, the Soviets had way more army, like way more forces. Mm -hmm. than the Finnish. Like, the Finnish were just, like, really small. But because they just knew the terrain so well and could move around in the terrain so well, they just, like, sneak attacked. So they knew how to get around without using roads. And they also wore, like, white. Like, you know, so they blended in. So these Finnish ski troopers, (laughs) they would also throw, what do they call it? Molotov cocktails? Yeah. Yeah. And they also, they had satchel charges, which I don't know exactly what that is. That they threw into the tanks of the oh. Soviets. So that's how they could get them to, like, just, uh, they could kill a lot at once and then kind of stop them from moving forward. That makes me think that they're, like, grenades or something inside of a bag and they just, like, throw the bag in. Yeah. So, they I mean, like, lob it in. Here we are in the 1940s. I think, like, they just didn't have a lot, yeah. like, on with, like, ammunition and all that stuff. Sure. But these guys were, like, super stealthy. And in the white, they were just hiding and just, like, finding ways to kill a lot of Russians in, in one go. Yeah. They were good. I also keep thinking about how definitely the Allied powers would be like, listen, Santa Claus cannot be <laughs> <laughs> a Nazi. Okay? Like, you have to. We, yeah. We need to. Santa Claus got to stay It kind of seems the like the Finnish were never, like, truly aligned. Right. They, they were, were kind of just, just like, 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 not be, be Switzerland. They just don't want to be messed with. Yeah. But the problem is, is that Russia was really effing with them yeah, a lot, yeah. you know, so they kind of were in a bad spot. Mm-hmm. But later they they turned it around. Figured it out. So for this story, 
This is March 18th, 1944, and the Finnish soldiers are still fighting Soviets at this point. Okay. Okay. So now is the story. Okay. We're going to talk about this 27-year-old Finnish soldier called Aimo Koivinen and the rest of his ski patrol. And at this point, on this day, March 18th, they found themselves surrounded by Soviet troops. They really hadn't slept for a few days. They stopped. They were trying to, like, eat drink some coffee, like hang out. And then all these Soviets surrounded them. There was like gunfire. The men were like scrambling for safety. And this ambush turned into a race for survival as oh. these Finnish troops um, fled on their skis. Right. So that's that's where we're at. I can see the action sequence in my head. Yeah. Imagine them in their white suits or uniforms and they're like, holy crap. And they're grabbing their skis and they're trying to get the hell out of there. Here's all we know about Imo Koivinen, because there's not a lot, mm-hmm. is that he was born in Alastero, Finland on October 17th, 1917. And he was the oldest of six children. And that is all we know about him. Oh. I have some pictures of him. That's it. That's not a lot. It's not a lot because I think he was he was very low key. It's just this story. Mm -hmm. And after that, he was like, I'm just going to live my life quietly. Thank you. Goodbye. So, okay, back to their getting ambushed in order to get out of here. And he was a corporal, Corporal Mm -hmm. Imo Koivinen. The other soldiers in his group, they really counted on him to get them through this like untouched snow, like deep snow. Right. Mm hmm. He was the one that was responsible for cutting the tracks for the rest of them to follow. Right. So he's doing that. And remember, they haven't slept. They're really out of it. As he's doing this, he's just getting tired. Because can you imagine? Yeah. Have you? I mean, cross-country skiing in and of itself. Yeah. It's not easy. Well, and they're not even on, like, tracks. No. They're, like, making their tracks. Yeah. That's a lot. It's a lot of work. They've been in, like, war nonstop. Yeah. Since before what 1939, but before that. And right. here we are, like, all these years later. I mean, these guys are just, like, over it. Fatigued. Right? But just doing this, he was, like, dead tired. Mm. He could not keep up the pace. And he had only had, like, a little piece of bread that morning. Uh. And here he was. He hasn't slept for days. He's weak, and he started to drift. And the men behind him are like, hey, don't fall asleep. You got to keep moving. Like, we're still, these guys are right on our tail. Right? Yeah. He was super drained. But he was like, wait a second. I remember I have this supply of this military grave. Oh, no. Pervitin. Oh. I'll talk about what that is. Pervitin? Pervitin. Mm. So this stuff was introduced in 1938, and it was marketed as a magic pill for alertness. Mm. So it was mostly used by German soldiers to stay awake and so they could perform better. Wait. German soldiers and uh, housewives. (laughs) Right. Right? (laughs) So basically, Pervitin was crystal meth, but it was just (laughs) in the form of a small little white pill. And so the Germans like loved it for a while. Do you like crystal meth? (laughs) They're like, it's fine. Just take this pill. It'll make you feel better. So it was developed by the Temmler Pharmaceutical Company and was available over the counter in the (laughs) 1930s in Germany. I just to say that back in the day drugs were wild and like so wild (laughs) yeah just what is going on this is amazing yes it's also awful yes it was so popular that for a while they made it in chocolate form wait like children could eat it i i don't think so okay but i just think they were just like 
it's I guess it's almost like, you know, like weed well, brownies. Like weed now, yeah. I but, mean, but not but not I not mean, that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think if definitely not like listen, weed. If everybody had been just eating weed <laughs> chocolate. <laughs> no one would be fighting there ever. There wouldn't have been a World War Two. You know? Exactly. Like everyone would have just been They're like, like tired. We gotta take naps. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But instead somebody made crystal meth and then we had World War Two. Exactly. As a matter of fact, as part of Germany's preparations when they were going to invade France, Hmm. 35 million tablets were issued to their troops, and that's about 10 per soldier. It's said that these pills were, like, much more pure than crystal meth available on the street nowadays. Oh, of course. Right? They're not cut with anything. And the soldiers, yeah. And so the soldiers were not ordered to take them. But the they call it, the amusing quote, it's in quotes, stimulant decree issued by the high command showed that there was an expectation that they would because they needed to be awake for days on end. No. Oh, gosh. And the troops were like, okay, everybody loved it. So it just wasn't an issue. They, it was like, it was like drinking coffee. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, like apple a day. Right. But it was meth a day. Right. So in the three days during the initial invasion of France, the Germans advanced further than they ever did during the four years of World War One. And American and British soldiers were like, what the hell? I mean, I guess it was like they were insane. <laughs> yeah. Because they were all messed out. This totally. Did you ever know this? No, I never knew I this. I never knew this. And uh, honestly, it really puts like Blitzkrieg in like a whole nother That's perspective what they always for talk me. about. Yes. That's yeah. what they always talk about is that it just was. No one could understand how they were so in like just crazy. And they didn't sleep. They just went hard, like went for it. I mean, they had to have a lot of casualties just from that drug. So the American and British soldiers had their own uh, little drug called Benzedrine or mm, Benny's, Benny's, which is just like speed. Yeah. It's an amphetamine. But so they kind of, like- but it wasn't as pushed and as widely used right. as the Pervitin. So I think. And I don't know if I'm going to talk about it, but they did say that at a point, the German like Nazi soldiers Mm -hmm. realized they were getting addicted and they were just like getting really messed up. So at a point, like later in the war, they stopped using them. Just everybody. They're like, wait a second. Everybody. Backfiring. Everybody in the German army. They just lost all their teeth. They go cold turkey. (laughs) And that is why they They lost. But I can, you know, it's like. For me, thinking about it, it's like when you think about somebody on meth, I haven't experienced it personally. Sure. But just from what I've seen and stuff, Mm -hmm. but thinking about a Nazi soldier who's so like brainwashed and then being that amped up on meth, it is scary. I've seen many episodes of Cops. Yeah. And like the epi- I feel like whenever there's somebody who was on, yeah, some kind of uh, meth product, because right. there's a lot yeah. of different variations. It's like, I feel like those are the most dangerous people because you have no idea what they're going to do. And I feel like the level of paranoia yes. that's typically involved with using that particular drug mm-hmm. is like way worse. Oh, yeah. Just the things people do on meth. And I definitely was like, wow, that one advertisement they did throughout was like the, like the late 90s, early 2000s. It was like meth, not even once. They would have like the first time the person got arrested. Oh, yeah. And then like the most recent time they were arrested. It's scary. And you're just like, wow, you're killing yourself. Yeah. Like the sores and the yeah. teeth and the... Ugh. 
Guys, I agree. Never once. Don't ever do it even once. Scary drug. I guess, you know, this was like a normal thing, but Imo, he was not a big fan of it. Yeah. He was like, they didn't really use it, Mm -hmm. but he realized that if he, you know, he might need to take some because he was about to collapse. Like, honestly, he was at the end of his rope. The pill bottle was in his front pocket of his jacket and it was the bottle that was for the whole troop. Oh, okay. So there were 30 pills in it. Because it was for everybody, for their whole whatever, right? Yeah. He tried to get one pill out. This is one part of the story that I kind of love. But he had on big mittens, Megan. (laughs) Big, heavy mittens. I can already see it. And he was trying to just get one pill. Just one. (laughs) I just want to get one. But accidentally, they all went into his palm of his mitten. And he was just in a panic. And he wanted to keep moving. So he just threw them back. He swallowed all 30 of them (laughs) at once without water. So the safe dosage for Pervitin is one pill a day. What? The mittens, Megan. But why didn't he just put it back? I just have memories. I have memories because, you know, there was a lot going on. But I have memories of wearing mittens as a kid. And you're just like, you're like a crab. Like, you can't do anything. (laughs) You're just like, I can't. You can't. Like, they make mittens now where you have actually fingered gloves and then a little mitten thing that goes over the Right, top. so you can pop it off. So you can pop it off and yeah. actually do things. Uh-huh. And I'm like, yes, absolutely. That but that seems correct. 1944, somebody hadn't thought of that yet. Why? Why? He was in a hurry. There were Russians, like, right on their tail. He's he trying to like, save his troop. He was like, I'm going to save everybody by taking all of these pills at once. I'm what? sure he was like, uh, I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> Or he was just like, oh, F. He's like, whatever. He's like, that was, this was really bad, but it's done. But a few minutes later, Megan. He died, right? He was <laughs> feeling fantastic. <laughs> oh, my God. Fan-freaking-tastic. So he had all this energy. He had the strength of like a thousand bulls. <laughs> and he was super speedy. He was like, the pills kicked in. He was like feeling good. But then like a little bit later, he kind of started tripping out a little bit. Everything started like like morphing, like the landscape. And he got like super paranoid. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh because this is actually awful. It's like, but I just imagine that because for him, like everybody else watching him, he's probably sped up times a thousand. No, yeah. But everybody else around him is like, he's that character in the Marvel universe, Quicksilver. Who can just like move very, very quickly. Yes. Yes. That is what he was experiencing. Right. For sure. Well, I'll I'll go into it a little bit more. So he got more paranoid and he started kind of going in and out of consciousness, but he just kept skiing. Right. But he would just have like, I'm here. I'm not here. I'm here. I'm not here. (laughs) At some point, the other guys noticed that he was looking a little (laughs) off. They're like, what the hell's wrong with him? So they took away his ammunition. And the last thing he thought before he blacked out completely was, I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> that is so arrested development. It's, I mean, this poor guy, right? I feel so bad for laughing. I want you to know. But it is a very, like, all I see him now, right now, is Job. Yes. <laughs> it's just like, F it. <laughs> Take them. And then, And then yeah. things just go real, they go south. I wonder what that thing was that prompted his 
his like group to be like, hey, we should take his ammunition. They're away. like, like what? Imagine <laughs> how big his pupils were. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just huge. <laughs> he was basically like Puss in Boots. <laughs> they were like, what? What's happened to this guy? I wonder. Like, what, I wonder what he was saying. Yes. What What was it that he said that they were like, okay, <laughs> give, <laughs> give us, us your gun. Give us all the things. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. So he blacks out. Mm-hmm. He wakes up. He has no food, no ammo. Everybody's gone. It's just him. He doesn't have any idea. Like, he doesn't know where he was. He doesn't know how he got to wherever he was or how much time has passed. He has no idea if he drifted away from his other people or if he left them behind but basically he just out sped them like they could not keep up with him and they're like just let him go just let him go i just thought there's you nothing were gonna we say, can do at this point <laughs> i thought you were gonna say that he was on like another plane of existence <laughs> like he, he probably was he ascended <laughs> he did he was like yeah, yeah yeah he was in another realm from that moment on he kept like blacking out and then snapping back and he would find himself like somewhere different that he didn't know where he was at all. He was also like, he would find himself like doing weird things that he, <laughs> he didn't remember ever like planning to do. Like he would wake up and be like, who knows, climbing a tree. Like, let's just throw some ideas out there. I, I'm assuming at some point he ate like a squirrel or something, just raw, like some animal in the forest, right? Right. He just like woke up. It's just we'll chewing on there. stuff. Oh, we'll God. Get there. Oh, God. At some point, and at some point he thought there were Germans around. And so he got super paranoid, right? Because mm-hmm. right then, at that point, because the Germans were their allies at that right, point. Right, right, so yeah. he thought that he saw some. So he was kind of like, oh, good, they're here. Right. I have, yeah. there's allies here. So at some point he wound up on top of a hill and he saw this fire burning. In the distance he saw, you know, he saw the fire, men standing around it. And he was like, it's a German camp. He thought it would be a really good idea to crash land right in the middle of it. So they would rescue him. So he skied like full speed (laughs) down the hill. But when he found himself close enough, like when he was close enough that he could see that they weren't German soldiers, they were Russians. He was like, oh, shit. Luckily, they were so freaked out that this like Finnish soldier was like coming at them at a thousand miles an hour, like straight to their camp that they were just like, (laughs) they just kind of stood back and... They said that he was gone before they even, like, knew what happened. It was like he just <laughs> flew through the middle of their camp. It was a full... That, that was actually the first X Games right? ever. Winter X Games. He just, like, fully... Like, like they didn't even try to airborne. do anything. They were like, what just happened? <laughs> I, I hope this. <laughs> oh, God. Is there a movie? about this no oh my god there should be a movie about this so i guess some of the soviet soldiers like tried to follow him but because he was in such a crazy like meth-fueled like frenzy they couldn't stop him they just left it so in the following days he survived on water pine needles and of course meth (laughs) because it was still in his system yeah like Like, it was still like (sighs) yeah what is the What's the bioaccumulation on the, you know, or like what? What's uh, well, the, especially like, that he had nothing in his system, right? Yeah. yeah. So he doesn't, it was weeks. He hallucinated a lot. Like he, I guess, said he talked with a number of like friends. Sure. He fought with an imaginary wolverine. <laughs> it was, it turned out to be a tree branch. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> and in that battle, he broke his wrist compass 
and somehow lost his backpack. This, I mean, all of this kind of reminds me of like, I swear I've had a night like this with some (laughs) friends. Sure. Where I just like one thing after another keeps happening and things get lost. Imaginary battles happen, but I've never done meth. I'll say that ever. But I just like this whole thing. It's just, it's wild. The Wolverine thing is pretty amazing. Yeah. I, I mean, can you... Like watching that from a distance, if you're a Soviet soldier with like his their binoculars, they're just like, holy shit, what is happening? They're like, you guys, come here. You got to watch this. You got to watch this. Like, that's really what happened is that they maybe were close enough to see him and they just observed. They him saw his him, face and, they like, and they're like, nope, <laughs> nope, nope, not, not, doing not doing that. So at some point he found himself in an abandoned cabin, which would be a good thing, mm-hmm. except that he decided to start a fire. Mm. on the wooden floor in the middle of the room and set the whole cabin on fire. So I guess he curled up on the floor and he was just trying to sleep, which he couldn't. But the fire just kept getting closer. So he'd just like move away (laughs) and it would get closer and he'd move away every time like the flames got too close to him. It's like when you're out underneath like a shady area, but the sun keeps encroaching on your spot. Yeah, but this was a fire that he started in the cabin. Inside the cabin. Yes. This is why meth, not only, not even once. Not even once, guys. But he couldn't sleep anyway because meth, right? Yeah. So it wasn't like he could even try. Like his body, somewhere in his body was like, you have to sleep. But the meth was like, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. Not yet. Which was good because the cabin collapsed, but he got out because luckily he he wasn't sleeping. Um, He managed to put his skis back on and start skiing again. He was still completely high. Uh, He spent most of the night trying to reach a distant light coming from a farm window, only to realize he'd been chasing a star, the North (laughs) Star, the whole time. So there's that. Got that. (laughs) Then he came across an abandoned German outpost. um, And I guess he very quickly set off an explosion because Germans had always placed like landmines after they left the place. And so when he looked down at his right foot, there were like bone splinters coming out from his foot. Oh, he his stepped, foot exploded? He stepped on a landmine. It didn't explode his foot. It very... It, like, damaged it. it damaged enough it, to, yeah. like, break it. Oh, my God. And they said... <laughs> had he been a little less high, he might have been more worried about it. But it's okay. He's going to keep moving on. So he then hopped around this camp trying to find, like, a door of a dugout, and he set off another landmine. Oh, my God. So then after this, he was like laying in the snow about 30 meters from the dugout. Everything. He was just kind of like in shreds from this explosion. I mean, he was okay, kind of, except for his foot was pretty messed up. But his clothes and everything were like shredded, shredded. And he's in the snow. Apparently, he was still holding the doorknob in his hand. This is a National Lampoon's goes to war Right. Like, this is insane. It's very, yes, it's very cartoonish. So no weapons, no food, no compass. He's now hurt, half naked, still tripping. Um, He decided to crawl into a ditch and sleep and think about food. He was hungry. Apparently, a few days later, a group of Finnish soldiers found him and they were like, what the hell happened to this guy? (laughs) So they're like, just stay here. We're going to go get a rescue party and come back. But he was like, they're not coming back. It took too long. And he actually thought he had hallucinated the whole thing. Right. 
So he went back to just laying there and kind of going in and out of these like wild, vivid dreams. And while he was waiting and thinking like Russians are going to just find him and kill him, or maybe, you know, his friends, those people will come back. He's just laying there. He actually captured this jay, a Siberian jay, what? which is like a bird. Yeah, it's like a from like the crow family. Like a, like a blue jay. Like, a, yeah, but like a jay. Siberian. Siberian jay. And he ate it raw. <laughs> so when you were, when that's why when you were talking about oh, no. him eating stuff, like he did, he did that. I can only imagine that he dropped the doorknob and just reached out very like, quickly into the like what was sky. wrong with this Jay that he got caught by this like yeah yeah poor guy. I just assume he snatched it out of the air. Like I thought the Jay thought he was dead. Maybe. I think he did it in like a, you know, in those like Japanese in like Kung Fu films or uh-huh. in like, uh, yeah. And they like catch flies. Yes. With like, that's what he did. Like he was just like, just yoink. yoink. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the Jay was like, this thing, this thing laying here is dead, like jumping around and he's just like, Ka-ta! yeah, he just got it. Luckily, a few days later, the Finnish soldiers came back to rescue him. And I guess when he was finally brought to this field hospital, his rate was 200 beats per minute. Whoa! This How many is he days not dead. I know he weighed only ninety four pounds. I was gonna say he probably burned a lot of fat. Ninety four pounds, or that's forty three kilos to everyone else. Yeah, he had basically. They say he basically turned into a hummingbird. <laughs> it's just so sad. <laughs> so apparently, all in all, he had been on the go, on moving for two weeks, and during that time of his like meth fueled like trip. They calculated that he went over 250 miles or 400 kilometers. Jesus. 250 miles. It's insane. And they say in spite of doses of meth and speed handed out during the war, he was the only soldier to survive an overdose of meth behind enemy lines. And not only that, he survived the war and went on to live a long and happy life, dying in 1989 at the age of 71. Wow. Do you think he had dreams of that time? Like, do you think he had, like, just, like, flashbacks? I just feel, uh, probably. Of being on meth. I bet. And they say he never really spoke about it and never talked about it. He just went, like, I want to live a quiet life on my own. I mean, after that. I mean, I mean, probably he's a little embarrassed, right? Like, this is what he's known for. Yeah. It's like fighting a tree branch. He's the he's- oldest of six kids. Like, flying through <laughs> the middle of Russian soldiers. Yeah. Like... How is this not a movie? I don't know. Probably because that's the whole story right there. You could make a two-hour movie out of that. Well, yeah, because especially most movies are, like, always based on... Yeah. True, I mean, you could add a lot to that. You could. You don't even have to add. It, just the scene, <laughs> the action scenes themselves. Just... I, I would love to see, you know, somebody, like, imagining they're fighting with a Wolverine only to discover... It really was a wolverine? It was a tree. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, later? Yeah. Yeah. That would be amazing. But what if he really was fighting a wolverine and it was a tree? But it was. Yeah. yeah. He would have been. He would have been pretty torn up. Yeah, that's true. That's all I have for his story. I'm going to talk a little bit about the organization to support. Yeah. Because it's pretty interesting. So we're going to shift over to that. Okay. okay. So it's called Snow Change Cooperative or snowchange.org. I think this is really interesting. So they were they uh, started this nonprofit in late 2000, and they wanted to document um, 
climate and environmental change in the North Mm -hmm. and work with the local and indigenous communities of the northern regions of Mm -hmm. Finland and the areas surrounding. And they say that they're a nonprofit independent cooperative and they're looking at rewilding Finland, which is actually TM'd. Rewilding, rewilding oh. Finland. Oh, they put a little TM on there. Yeah, it's trademarked, um, mm-hmm. and it's owned by Snow Change with the purpose. And I'm reading this straight from their site. Yeah, purposes of advancing community-based and controlled national efforts to fight impacts of climate change, enhance biodiversity, and protect waterways. For centuries, reindeer have been central to land maintenance. In life, their droppings and in death, their carcasses are nutrient-rich fertilizers that sustain the rivers, soils soil and trees that absorb greenhouse gases and prevent them from accumulating in the atmosphere. The animal's digestive tracts calibrated to sync with the harsh Arctic climate, fill with specific enzymes and bacteria that allow them to graze seasonal grasses, mosses, and lichen, a stringy, highly nutritious algae-fungi composite that hangs in abundant wisps from the sturdy branches of ancient trees. Mm. When the temperatures dip, the pads of their shovel, and this is just all about reindeer and how yeah, yeah. freaking cool they are. The pads of their shovel-shaped hooves shrink and their sharp rims emerge, enabling reindeer to dig lichen buried under the snow and resulting in a kind of smooth mirror of white-covered ground. If too much lichen remains on the forest floor, it absorbs sunlight and warms the earth instead of having that light reflected back into the atmosphere. What? They're like little climate warriors. Exactly. So if reindeer ecosystems are lost, ecologists predict the planet will heat up even faster mm. and its carbon sinks will disintegrate. A report from the from the UN um, Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change notes climate change has increased the vulnerability of reindeer herding to the extent that its long-term sustainability is threatened. So it noted in the Arctic and subarctic temperatures have already risen two degrees Celsius in the past 30 years. The Sami society would dissipate too. The community uses virtually every part of the reindeer for every purpose in their lives. Fur and skin for clothes, blankets and tents, antlers for knives, meat, flash frozen, air dried, smoked, all the things as a primary protein to survive the dark, cold winter. Local resistance to deforestation has been growing and new generations have been reviving reindeer husbandry uh, traditions. One of the people who works on this, I think they're talking about them, it's Nicola. They were saying that their cousins have recently started culling reindeer near home rather than at a slaughterhouse. So basically, they're trying to get back to their traditional ways. And this snow change joined with a network of scientists and Sami reindeer herders to begin buying forest land four years ago. So basically, they're buying back their land. Oh, that's... Oh, that's interesting. Very interesting. The group started with 600,000, which was uh, in euros. That was a loan from the European Investment Bank and the Dutch environmental bank, Triodos. And then they got another 1.2 million euros from the Finnish funds. And so they're using this to buy back the lands and protect it and keep the reindeer on the land. Who owns the land now? I don't know if it was, if it's owned just by... Finnish government or, or private parties or whatever, or maybe private, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, if it's the Finnish government, they should just give it back. You would think. So maybe it's <clears throat> yeah. not. Um, I'm not sure. I maybe didn't have private the... landowners. Thing. So they said in Finland, a lot of those areas. I mean, one of their main staples is mm-hmm. wood. From, right. So they're constantly clear cutting a lot of those areas. Right. Right. And so then the reindeer cannot use it anymore. Right. They're trying to buy it back from those 
And probably corporations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Um, They also go on to say, as climate change dominates the global agenda, funds continue to roll in. New donors over the past year included the Christensen Fund and Google Foundation, Mm. which gave them 1.25 million euro, as well as trace gas analysis machines. They say they're Ghostbuster-like mobile packs with ray guns to measure the carbon and methane emissions in logged areas. Mm -hmm. All right. And emissions sequestration in those that have been rewilded. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. So, yeah. So this is a big, huge effort to try to recover a lot of the land mm-hmm. and put reindeer back out on the That's very in the cool. forest. Yeah. And bring back the tradition as well. I just thought that was really cool. There's a whole big article about it. And you can see it if you go look at the links. And it's a Washington Post dot com it's uh climate solutions and climate change reindeer habitats deforestation is kind of under that whole thing but anyway super interesting that's pretty neat yeah go check that out if you uh if you're so interested and if you want to go to finland and go see santa claus eat some cheese for real read about the finnish troops um skiing troops take some meth take some don't take some meth don't do that especially a lot yeah. A lot of meth. I'm yeah. just like, I can't, I just can't believe he survived. That is a definite overdose. Oh, a hundred percent. That's an overdose. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought when you said a couple minutes later, I was like, oh, he, he died. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, and his, then he died. End of story. His heart exploded. Like it makes me think of the flight attendant, right? Who fell from the sky and she had like super low blood pressure. That's why she didn't die. Yeah. Like, I want to know what it was about him that right? he survived that. Like, if I had been a doctor back then, I'd been like, is it about you exactly? Like, God, it's just to overdose. I mean, people usually overdose on downers, you know, to overdose on meth. It just sounds horrible. Awful. I would just, yeah. it just sounds like a really terrible, like he had a bad couple of weeks. Oh, for sure. But he two weeks and his heart rate was still 200. Like, how is that even possible? How many cups of coffee is that? You know what I mean? It, like, that's exactly. Like, I mean, resting heart rate was about 60 or 75. I'm like, what is my resting heart rate? It's always... Mine's like around 60. I just want to say that whenever I go to the doctor Uh and they take my heart rate or they take my blood pressure, I'm already so amped up from having to go to the doctor Mm -hmm. because it's, to me, it's very stressful to get to the doctor's office and then you got to wait. And then sometimes you're like waiting for a long time and you're like, but why did I make this appointment if you're going to make me wait? You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. then you get a little irritated or I don't know. And then they want you to sit still and be calm. And already my blood pressure is like. Do you always have, do you have high blood pressure when you go to the doctor? Um, I usually, no, it it won't be like, it'll be a little elevated, but not like you have high blood pressure. It'll mm-hmm. be like, oh, you're a little elevated. And I'm like, yeah, I'm elevated because of this, because I had to do all of this. But if I took my blood pressure at home when I was relaxed, like... Like with, with like 10 cats around you? Yeah. <laughs> I'd probably be, you know, like, they'd be like, are you dead? I have really mm-hmm. low blood pressure and a mm-hmm. low resting heart rate, I've been told. Huh. Once I went to donate blood and they wouldn't let me donate because my blood pressure was too low. Huh. They're like, are you alive like what is happening with you right now are you okay that's happened a lot it's no more normal now that i'm older but when i was younger it was super low yeah no i i've yeah i've never had like a blood pressure issue either way yeah but at the doctor they usually come back and take it again they're like we're just gonna just say okay looks good now that's so yeah i think whenever they take mine i'm like i have this like really like 
zen moment. I'm like, it's all good. And then it just comes out really low. <laughs> I try to uh, put my feet flat on the ground. Uh-huh. And I try to like relax everything. And in the trying of trying to relax, you get more I anxious. get more anxious. Your poor brain. I know. It's so annoying. Anyway. Well, who knows? All I know is I would never want to OD on that. 30 pills. No, thank you. I that was a great story. Yeah, thanks too, Annette, for that story. Yeah. It was it was she just sent me like this little clip of it and I was like, what? <laughs> this is insane. It's way better than the cocaine bear. Although like cocaine bear adjacent. Right. I could have I could have doubled up with the cocaine bear. Yeah, but it's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. This is much better. And this is like real history right here, guys. Yeah, for sure. The real deal. So, Megan. Yes, Jen. What <laughs> would you have in your emergency preparedness kit if you accidentally took 30 <laughs> doses of meth on accident? Sure. On just accident. trying to save yourself and you your troop. I'm just trying to get us moved. Listen, you're just trying to get away from the Russian soldiers yeah. on your tail. Yeah. I did forget to ask you what happened to the rest of his companions. They oh, just, I think they just, they lost him. They, he just took but, off. And then they... They were normal humans that yeah. could not keep up with him. <laughs> were this not, guy was flying. They weren't super soldiers. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but did they live? All of those guys? I don't know. Were, I, don't, oh, okay. I don't know that. Okay, okay. But um, all, all right. I know is they said that he, that he was gone. Sure. And there's no human that could keep up with him. So, okay. Originally, this is what I was thinking. Okay. okay. Is that like, I would want Eric Northman. Oh, because who wouldn't want Eric Northman honestly, in any situation? Any situation, he's going to speak the language, right? Yep, yep, I, was, yep. I mean, I, obviously, this other guy would also be speaking, but because you know he's a vampire, he's Swedish, but close enough, and uh -huh. also he can move very quickly. He can give up with you during he the can, day, like, though. Like, uh, I would, I would, well, I mean, yeah, okay, but I mean, if if I were on meth, I would be up all night. Right, right. Right. Like we could we could just like hide out during the day or something. But he would also probably be able to like help like get everything on the right track. You know what right, I mean? Like right. I I vaguely remember that vampire blood in true blood is healing. Uh -huh, so maybe uh -huh, it would uh -huh. like, you know, lower the heart rate, like help you out. He would have been able to Yeah. But imagine if he drank that guy's blood. <laughs> you'd be, you'd have a problem. Maybe then he could be in the daylight. Right? Who knows? So that was my original thought because Alexander Skarsgård, like, so Yeah, hot. and just let me tell you, did you know that his brother, so their dad is also this, like, famous yeah. actor. Yes. But also Stellan Skarsgård, but also his brother. Is it Bill? Is it Bill? Which it, one? It's yes. Floki in Vikings. It's like this oh, very... Oh, yes. The other brother. Yeah. So, and then Bill Skarsgård, I think Bill Skarsgård is Pennywise in the new It. Oh, it, it's the whole Skarsgård family is like amazing amazing also this is a fun tidbit because for like a hot minute I watched every single interview he has ever done in all the languages he speaks like so many languages oh yeah that guy the brother is the Gustav right. Gustav yeah Skarsgård so he's the one that's in because you know I always talk to you about Vikings yeah, and yeah. we named our dog Floki <laughs> after that character oh, yeah, in the Vikings yeah. because he's great but no, so that whole Skarsgård family, uh, so apparently their dad, Stellan, is a nudist. And so they grew up in like a nude uh -oh, household. That's random. And so he gave an interview one time. It was in like Finland or something, because I'm pretty sure in the interview he's speaking, he's speaking Finnish. Uh -huh. And he was like, yeah, we all grew up in this nude household. And that's why I'm comfortable he gives no getting cares. naked. Yeah. Anyway, 
so yeah, that was my original thought. We're up in those uh, Scandinavian areas. Why not? Yes. Have but, Eric Northman with you. Alexander exactly. Skarsgård. But off, off mic, you brought up a good point. <laughs> and I agree with you that in this case, the best thing would be in the other mitten, a mitten full of downers. <laughs> you need a mitten full of downers. <laughs> you, you need, need a, a counteract. Downers, yeah. You need to counteract the, the uppers. The uppers. You yeah. got to level out. Exactly. Level so, it out. I mean, what would happen if you took just like 30, like... Maybe you wouldn't take 30 downers. 30 Maybe downers. You, because you still want to have... You still want to be able to move quickly and help out. Like, you don't want to fully... Right? right. So I would say like, yeah, 25. <laughs> 20 to 25. Let's not go 30 all the way. Yeah. But what are we talking about here? Like some... 28, maybe? Like, which downers are we... You know, I'm not good. I'm not up on my drugs, Jen, so... Uh, what's the one that people always take? Not... I'm trying to think of the one. Like, <laughs> not Vicodin, but... uh Oh, Percocet? Not Percocet. No, it's another one. Oh, man. I took Percocet once. What's the one that people always took, like, back in the, in the 60s? Like, uh, like popping them, like, crazy. Vicodin? Not Vicodin. It's, uh... <laughs> Valium? Valium, thank you. <laughs> Valium. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like moms are just taking them. Yeah. Like, oh, I, I just need a Valium. Yeah. 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 Like 28, like yeah. 28 Valium. So you just need a mint, just, yeah, a mint yeah, full yeah, of downers. Yeah. What was the name of that drug again? Uh, Pervitin. Pervitin. I mean, yeah. I think that's why Percocet would be Pervitin, Percocet. I <laughs> like they're very similar. No, when, when I had my son, I ended up having a C section. They gave me a Percocet. Yeah. The next morning or something. Yeah. They did that to me. For too. you to go to sleep. Uh-huh. And I took it and it was, insane like i fully just passed out i mm-hmm. remember telling my mom I was like holding my son and i was like you have to take the baby and i just fully passed out it was a great sleep oh yeah and i woke up and they were like your next percutant like they were ready to give me yeah. another one. Oh no same and i was i, I remember i was like no i said stop. no yeah like, i was like I'll just i actually take... need to take care of this baby <laughs> i was like i'll just take i'll just take the advil and if you're breastfeeding I how mean, are you gonna be able to yeah yeah that's no good it's not good So anyway, yeah, that's I'm just hard drugs. Not for me. Listen, everyone, don't do drugs, period. Don't do drugs. Which, of course, you're not because you're you're one of our patrons. That's right. Pretty sure none of you do drugs. If if you're going to do drugs, do the ones that are legal, you know, just or like eat a uh, a marijuana brownie. Yeah, you're good. It's fine. Marijuana chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much, Jen. That was a fun story. I'm glad you liked it. Thanks to Annette again for that one. I hope you liked it. That was great. And until next time, don't die out there. Bye-bye. Bye. You're Gonna Die Out There is produced by us, Jen and Megan, and edited by the talented and super nice guy, Jonathan Pillsbury. Thank you, Jonathan. Yay. Yay. Uh, all of this is possible because of an amazing group of Nature Nerd patrons. If you would like to be part of our super cool nerd community on Patreon, just go to our website at you're gonna die out there.com or you can check our link tree on our Instagram page, which is kind of amazing. It is. I'm sorry. But it is. Uh, another way you can support is by leaving us a five star review on Apple Podcast. Uh, if you do, Jen will send you a really kick ass sticker. You just have to send us your mailing address. I will do it if I forget. Hey, if you left us a review and I didn't send you a sticker, send us an email. Let me know. Just let me know. Uh, Also, we would love to hear from you. We get a lot of our stories from listener suggestions. A lot. We kind of steal them. All the time. Yeah. Um, Because they're so good. So if you would like to do that, go to our website. We have a contact page at you're going to die at there.com or an email 
you're going to die out there at gmail.com. And at the beginning of the episode, we give you a shout out. (laughs) Thanks for listening. And until next time, don't die out there. Bye. Bye.